Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah. Getting it every day, I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah. I'm getting it every day, these niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not What's up, guys? This is Jake Carlisle, and welcome to the Capital Gains Podcast, where we share our experiences on how to flip and invest in real estate, the stock market, and all things fitness. Join us as we dive deep into the world of self-development and get ready to make some capital gains. So the U.S. Uh, oil price, um, crude oil, touched $130 today in futures trading. And the United States Congress or some lawmakers are talking um, – are talking that they're going to put a, an embargo on the US, United States and and uh, cooperating NATO countries to uh, put an embargo on Russian oil or the purchase of Russian oil. And that sounds like a pretty big, first of all, a very sizable uh, price push up. And then you have the fact that Russia does export a hell of a lot of oil and now we will no longer be buying that or, or really nobody will um what does that have an effect on the united states the united states economy um or the global economy well short term i mean we're gonna have huge inflationary pressure um you know when you have energy costs that exceed anything we've seen in the last decade and a half or so um i mean i can't even remember 130 dollar oil i remember 125 was kind of a peak um, at one point. And then, you know, we're we're just going to see some huge inflationary pressures. Uh, it's going to be tough on the administration. It's going to be tough on the Democrats in the elections um, because you're not going to see pricing going down on foods, um, on energy, on anything, really, until we get, you know, in control of this. And, you know, the one thing I would say, Jake, and I think I've told you that, you know, I had invested heavily in oil about, eight months ago, nine months ago, and um, oil and gas. And that's been a great trade. And <clears throat> I guess what I would say is, you know, with the hysteria that's going on, it's driven up these prices. Um, and even my advisors, they say, don't sell right now. Well, I'm selling right now, honestly, because I just think the hysteria is kind of at an all-time high. I mean, um, energy in Europe, France, they have a ton of nuclear capacity. Um, you know, in the, in the past, they've sold a lot of nuclear energy across Europe. Um, there's, there's things, you know, the market will kind of equalize. Um, and, um, and it's, it's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate really for the Russian people, I think more than anything, but it's going to affect us all for a little while. Um, and until we start like recognizing reality, it's going to be tough, um, on, on the American people as well. So when you say recognizing reality for the American people, what specifically are you talking about? Are you just talking about like what the the consequences of our actions are doing or like, or, you know, gas prices going up at the pump or, or what are you talking about there? Yeah. So we've kind of got on this, this uh, green energy save the world thing, um, which, you know, there's a lot of debate about, and I'm not a denier of climate change or anything like that. I just think people underestimate the world's capability of healing itself. Um, generally, when you have more carbon in the atmosphere, things get greener. 
Um, when I say greener, I mean literally greener because there's more carbon. So, you know, trees and all those kind of things flourish. I mean, you're seeing that with corn crops and all these other things because, you know, plants love carbon. And so the climate throughout history, you know, for years and years and years, you go back to Egypt 8,000 years ago and you've seen there's huge fluctuations in our, in our climate. Um, and so when we start stumping on things, um, we just need to be careful about it. And we need to make sure that, you know, our ideals don't get out in front of our, our uh, capability. And I think in this case, as you saw in Texas last year, um, you know, our ideals got out in front of our capability and we're like, man, we're bragging because we're 30% green energies like wind and solar. And then, you know, kind of when the shit hits the fan, um, man, sure would be nice to have those natural gas and those coal fired plants running full speed. Um, and, and that's kind of what we got going in Europe too. It's, um, you know, they're, they're Germany is dependent on fossil fuels. Um, and they don't have a military. They depend solely on us, um, which is another kind of political statement. But the reality is they don't invest in their military. And, you know, when you talk about selling Mercedes versus Chevys, well, they've got an advantage because their economy doesn't have to fund, you know, the billions and billions of dollars of military that we do. But anyway, that's, a, that's another rabbit hole we could run down. But um, the long and short of it is we need to be drilling here we need to be energy independent here the fact that we allowed ourselves to not be energy independent is just really bad leadership uh, it's, it's just terrible leadership we sh we should at least have it in our back pocket and i think we do i mean i think you know if the administration um if the democratic party would admit like hey let's let wall street fund oil and gas again I think it would take off immediately. Um, I know there's thousands and thousands of wells that have been drilled, vertical wells that have been drilled just to hold leases. And you could go in and frack those wells tomorrow um, and, and produce oil and gas if, if you know, you had the money supply behind it. But all the ESG stuff that <clears throat> the government has put on Wall Street um, has made it very difficult. So, right. I think we'll have an about face at some point and, and decide, Hey, you know what, if we don't want to get out of a recession, well, you know, we'll, we'll change course. Right. I think even like Elon Musk, who obviously is the CEO founder of Tesla, he tweeted the other day, he said, you know, and he is obviously pro green energy, but he said, um, you know, I don't want to say it, but we need to increase oil and gas output immediately. Um, and he said something about it's not realistic right now that green energy can withstand the, the, the demand that, that we have. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's private sector saying, Hey, like we, what, where we're going is, is not sustainable and is not going to be, not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing about Elon. I think his ideals are a little bit higher than money. And, you know, there, there's very few people that are like that. Um, I think he enjoys being rich, like everybody else that's rich. But, you know, I've seen a quote where he said, look, I, my, my, my ambition in life is to envision a future that's not sad. And, you know, and there's a lot of 
great things that that you can i mean that's a great quote right and he's probably thought about that and uh and so i respect what he says you know i've always thought he was the, one of the greatest salesmen of all time but when he gets real and talks about things like like fossil fuels it's 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 kind of telling right it doesn't take a genius to figure out we need to be energy independent here and then work on getting better you know right. not letting china burn 80 percent of the coal or china and india burn 80 percent of the coal in the, in the world have a competitive advantage on you right and uh, you know we'll just go around the world with our tail tucked between our legs saying oh my god i'm so sorry that you know we're such heathens uh because that's just that's just not the way it works right and so when you say energy independent for everybody who may not know um when you say energy independence what does that really mean and maybe maybe tie it into um, why Russia exporting so much oil is such such a big deal, and why the U.S. not being independent is also such a huge deal. Yeah, so the U.S. is blessed in a lot of ways. Um, you know, from our farmland to everything else, it's it's just it's, it's incredible. Like um, our natural resources are amazing. Well, like the number one thing is like you know they say, hey, we got more coal than anyone in the world, right? We have more. Uh, natural gas with the the new fracking technology than anybody we have huge oil reserves we have all these things that we have right here that we can use and we're not doing it because we're trying to be the good guys and uh the 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 fact of the matter is there are ways to make that stuff relatively clean and cut down on some emissions on other things which offset those and you know i think that's what we're trying to do but like Germany, they have nothing. And so they have to go to a, a Russia or somebody like that that's an enemy, a Saudi Arabia, and and basically beg for, for energy. Right. Um, and, you know, what? I guess the, the scariest thing would be Russia, who does nothing really except export resources. I mean, they don't produce much of anything else. Um, and Saudi Arabia, which we let get away with murder literally um, because we need them to be a as asset for us in the region um, combine forces and start trading with China. And then they have this huge, you know, monopoly of Asia and we end up with, you know, two big dogs on the block and we end up killing each other um, and destroying the world because, you know, there can only be one boss and that's kind of the, the thing that scares me the most about this whole situation. Yep. Well, that makes sense. And I, I think I saw, I, I, I don't know if I sent you it or sent the, my other, my other buddy, it, it said, um, all of the <clears throat> visa and MasterCards in Russia, um, effective like March 9th or something are like, will cease to work. Right. So that's most, that's, that's us based, uh, credit cards. And, uh, so that really means that, you know, most of the dollar transactions will not be, be done anymore, um, you know, between those nations. And so now I, I heard or saw that Russia is going to turn to a Chinese uh, credit merchant, Union Pay. And so now, I mean, what they're going to be using is not going to be dollars. It's going to be, I guess, rubles or um, whatever the Chinese currency is. Um, and so that's something that I guess reading Dalio's book about the changing world order and about, you know, 
reserve currency statuses and stuff like that, that is a telltale sign to me that, um, you know, maybe, maybe all these sanctions and economic things weren't, weren't the right way to go, um, economically for, I guess, the United States dollar, um, because they're not, you know, now a lot of people are not going to be using the dollar. Um, they'll be using the Chinese currency or the Russian currency or, or the Indian currency, whatever that is, um, because they have to, there's no other choice. Yeah. Um, it's inter interesting to see what you think. Yeah, I understand that logic and it does make sense. But the one thing I think everybody has to understand is Russia is a super, super poor country. I mean, I think on average they are, um, they have less um, money per capita than India, which is incredibly, really? incredibly poor. Yeah. And so the entire GDP of Russia is less than Texas. And so you know, I don't want to discount these people, but I can tell you, they haven't given us much reason to really think that they have it going on. Like this military operation they've pulled out in Ukraine, it's a disaster. Like I was much more scared of Russia prior to this attack. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, like when they first pulled out all their military and their tanks and everything, I'm like, oh man, they're so smart. They're sending all their dumb soldiers in here and they're sending their worst equipment. But now where are we? Like the Ukraine's putting it on them. Like nobody thought the Ukraine could last this long. And I know, you know, that we are providing equipment and stuff. You know, every the whole world is supporting Ukraine in, in some way, in some proxy way. Um, right. But the reality is the Russian military is a disaster. And if you start really thinking about where Putin's at as a leader, and you start thinking about the Russian people being that poor, this could have been a Hail Mary. Like he could have known that like maybe his system didn't work and he had to do something to kind of show off and get something done. Because if you really look through the logic, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for what they're doing here. I mean, I had people to the very end, very, very smart people saying, there is no way he's going to invade Ukraine. He's not that stupid. Well, here we are. Well, and it's kind of interesting, and I was listening to a – I'm like three-quarters of the way into it, but I was listening to a Jordan Peterson podcast, his, one of his most recent ones, with a, uh, a Soviet scholar who, who studied the, the fall of the Soviet Union in the, in the early 90s and kind of followed it after that where NATO, NATO came to play and um, you know Russia was kind of on its knees and – has struggled to really bolster its economy since then. And what he, what he said was, I mean, it was interesting to me whenever the Soviet union fell, um, their means of production didn't change when they came to when they went to a domestic or sorry, demo, democratic, uh, quote unquote, uh, government, he said like they would have cities that had one big factory that employed a hundred, hundred thousand people, which is sort of like a, a socialist type, you know, centralized planned economy. Um, and he said that really hasn't changed since then. And so when you think about it that way, it sort of makes sense. And I think I told my roommate from the very beginning, I was like, you know, I, I just don't understand how Russia's economy, especially with all the sanctions, their, their stocks are just, I mean, I think the one of the Russian banks fell 95% the other day, and I mean, the stock market crashed. 
Um, and then, you know, now they're cut off from all resources with globally, um, with maybe the exception of China. Um, and so it just doesn't really make sense to me, you know, why he would, he would do that, but maybe you're right. Maybe it was a Hail Mary. Um, but you know, going listening to that, that historical based podcast was kind of a eye opener because it just sounds like Russia is still in the 1990 Soviet union in their, I guess, sort of economy. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't so I alive. A, I have a friend, uh, who does business in Moscow. And he basically said the exact same thing. And he said, we can't get anything produced there because no one knows how to work. You know, everything, they're all, they're, they're like a generation behind because of the, the socialism that was there, or I guess communism, um, however you want to classify it. But um, it, it basically, they have no idea how to produce. And so that relegates them to shipping out their natural resources. And that's all they got. Um, he said, they're lazy. Um, education is not important. You know, they, they have a ton of disadvantages. Everything's very expensive because the production's so low. The productivity is right. awful. And so everything is really, really, really expensive. And uh, their standard of living is just terrible. Well, one thing that really struck me, you know, watching, you know, Instagram. I don't really watch the news, but I, I follow it on Instagram. And I follow pro-Russian and pro-Ukrainian accounts just to kind of see both sides. And uh, – <clears throat> It's interesting to me seeing all the types of vehicles and buildings they live in, um, Ukrainians and Russians alike, because none of them, like literally almost none of them seem to have modernized since the 80s or 90s. Like I've not seen really one modern truck, one modern car, one modern building. I mean, it all looks like it's still stuck in 1980. And nothing's ha nothing's been happening since, um, yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, one other stat that I thought was really interesting is um, there's 110 people that control 40% of the economy in Russia. And those, you know, they're called the oligarchs. And everybody knows about those guys. But, you know, when you start locking those people out, and these people haven't been told no for 15, 20 years, um, things start going wrong. And so... I think I think Putin overplayed his hand. You know, I think what concerns everybody is that, that they're a nuclear state. And when you back him too far into a corner, which we have at this point, um, you know, weird things are going to start happening. And we're seeing those in the headlines. I mean, I saw a deal where they're recruiting Syrian soldiers um, now. I mean. Who is? Good. Russia? Russia. Like, how crazy is that? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, so he's definitely reeling. Um, this, this Ukrainian president is a hero, man. I mean, this guy, you talk about a leader. I mean, if, if we had a leader like that in the U.S., it would be scary how good we'd be. You know, we haven't had a leader like that since I can, since I can remember. I, I you know, I loved Reagan, but I, I, you know, I mean, this Zelensky, wow. He's something else. Um, well, it's, it's, it's incredible to watch. Wasn't he? Wasn't he kind of <clears throat> pushed pushed for by the West? Um, I, I don't know when he came into power, but 2014 maybe it was. Um, I was still too young to even realize any of that, but um, you know, I think he was he was kind of pushed into power. Her voted he voted into power, um, but endorsed by the West. 
um, specifically the, the U.S. and, and the, the Obama administration, um, which is interesting because it, it seems like Putin just just literally seethes and hates Zelensky, like just hates everything that he's about. Um, there's a bunch of conspiracy theories out there about, about all of it, but, um, you know, it really does tell it, – it's very telling when you, you know, when, you, when you're offered a, a evacuation route by the United States president – and you say no, thank you. I need bullets, not a ride. And you know that's that's kind of that's kind of crazy because what would the United States president be in that situation? He'd be getting out. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting. Uh, you know, you see reports, and I, I think this is kind of it's very interesting. And I don't, I I hesitate to compare it to like Hitler, but. Um, Putin is like in his like mountain resort kind of thing, um, like kind of alone, calling the shots from from far away, um, which is a stark difference between him and and Zelensky, right? Um, and I've seen a bunch of kind of, um, especially on the on the pro Ukrainian side, I've seen a bunch of comparisons to. Hitler, or maybe the the way that that he used to to operate in Putin, um, and I don't know. What do you think? You know, I I wasn't around when Hitler was out, but I can tell you, you know, the the history that I learned, which is maybe over dramatized, um, definitely seemed like Hitler put himself in a really bad spot. Made you know, like he got he had a lot of momentum. Like Germany is very similar, really, and I think that that's fair because Germany was broke; um, they were in a bad spot, and he basically found somebody to blame it on, which is exactly like what Putin's doing. He's going to blame it on the West. Oh, we're all poor because of the West, right? And so, <clears throat> how do we, you know, how do we do? How do we help ourselves? Well, we got to go take over Ukraine because they're making money and they're they got a pro-West um, guy and you know, all that yada, yada, yada stuff. But it, there are similarities. Um, but I I don't know if he's a Hitler type. I mean, there's no doubt he's a Russian nationalist. Uh, you know, we're going to bring Mother Russia back and all that stuff. But first off, I don't think he's going to be that, that successful. The only way he could be successful is if China joins him. And that's basically what happened, you know, in Nazi Germany is – you know, Japan and Germany joined together, uh, and now we have a major problem. And and I think as long as China would stay out of it, we're probably not going to have a major, major problem where, like, you know, the world might end because we're going to nuke everybody. But, um, you know, we we have a problem on our hands, and the, the problem is Putin. And I know one of the congressmen said it the other day, and I wish he hadn't. Um, but he said, ah, you know, somebody just needs to go put a bullet in Putin and, you know, this thing's over. I agree with him, but that's not something you want to say out loud. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that was, I think it was Lindsey Graham and, and Lindsey Graham is what, like 75 years old? Uh, I don't know, but he shouldn't have said that. But, you know, he, he's kind of a headline grabber type guy, always yeah. has been. So, so I think, on, on know, the, he's trying to do, do his thing. Yeah. On the China side, um, so where does China come in on this? Because I know they kind of denounced the um, the attacks 
they really denounced it, but they were like, Hey, can you please, you know, negotiate this peacefully? Um, and not by just attacking a sovereign state, you know, unexpectedly and trying to, you know, basically have a huge coup. Um, and what is interesting there is that's not really what I expected from China. I kind of either expected either support or, you know, just kind of stay neutral. Um, so that's interesting, but, you know, it, it also comes into play of, you know, Russia, Russia, Ukraine is to Russia as Taiwan is to China. And so kind of how does, how does that kind of scenario play out where, you know, everybody, the whole West is trying to stop Russia from invading Ukraine. But what happens when China, you know, who has been wanting Taiwan forever, um, tries to make their move because it's, you know, it's a rumor that that's coming, um, whether it does or not, who knows, but you know, it's, it's, it's something that China would, would rather have, um, just based on history, you know? Yeah. And I think China's smart enough to watch and wait and learn from how the world handles Russia, you know, and that's why I think it's really, really important that the whole world come together and sanction Russia in a way that they've never been sanctioned. It's just going to make their, their lives miserable. Because really, we could do the same thing to China. We could all, you know, if everybody would band together and say, okay, you know what? We're not dealing with China anymore. They would, it would be a disaster because they're counting on six, 7% gr um, growth to, to fund all their initiatives. Like they're levered out, you know, they're investing in infrastructure and all this stuff to be the world's manufacturer. So like they can't have a hiccup in their production. They've got one now because of COVID and it's, it's hurting them. Like, any news out of out of China, like they're just barely hanging on. Um, it's, you know, they're having to keep playing the COVID COVID card um, just to kind of keep everybody under controls, from what I understand. And uh, I think they're watching and seeing how everybody deals with Russia. And if we let Russia off, why wouldn't they invade Taiwan? Why wouldn't they? I mean, they want to, but we've been threatening them. We, you know, we've got we've moved a ton of our assets down there into the South China Sea. Um, you know, I, I just think they're smart enough to, to wait and watch and learn. And then they'll just decide, should we move now or, or wait a little bit? Right. And yeah. maybe the time to move is when you get Saudi wrapped up, which now they're the biggest trading partner with Saudi instead of us. So they're, they're the number one now. And then, you know, maybe this gives them an excuse to start getting all of Russia's energy. And they're, you know, the, the Europe is going to have to count on the U.S., to get their stuff and uh, you know this all could be a a really good play for china it could all work out great for them which which may be why they kind of just <clears throat> stay more neutral than anything and and wait and wait and see what happens yep uh, which would which would make sense well one thing you know and jake and i we can speculate all day on what these guys are going to do because you know, it's a chess game, and I think things are going to change as, as you know, as everything moves forward. But, you know, when you when you talk about investing and just getting back to, to what, like, I don't know, what can help or hurt us in the short term. Right. I think we got to go to – I think we got to look and watch things that are getting beat up right now. Like, my me personally, I'm pulling back on oil and gas because I think we're at an all-time hysteria. Um, I don't think oil is worth 130 bucks a barrel. I think it's worth 80 bucks because I think we can produce it for 45 bucks. So I have a hard time believing it's worth 130. Um, so, you know, in my mind, I sell. 
but I would be watching other things right now, like all the stuff that's kind of getting left behind or um, nobody's thinking about that's going down because of the war news. That's probably where the opportunity is at right now. Right. Well, that's, that's kind of what, what, what I've been looking at. And I, I honestly haven't been investing or, or I guess trading that much recently um, just because I've been busy with real estate. But um, one, one company that I've stuck with, um, and really believe in, and, and my other buddy Zach also does, um, it's PLTR, and they really are, are getting smashed and have gotten smashed. And it's just, it's not really even bad headlines. It's just, it just follows the market, um, you know, uh, you know, with, with war and, and, and all that stuff, it's just getting hurt. And meanwhile, they are tripling commercial revenue, um, you know their their stock options expire this year, so so their bottom line's gonna gonna skyrocket, um, and it's stuff like that. And now, I mean, I've seen a <clears throat> like sixty percent drop in the last six six months in them, and their underlying business has only gotten better, um, and it's gotten ex- exponentially better actually. And so stuff like that um, that is just kind of getting thrown thrown in the dust and uh, and, for, and forgotten. I hundred percent agree is is where the opportunity is. Um, because I mean, man, you, you hit that oil and gas trade out of the park. Yeah, it was, it was a good one. Um, and, and, you know, it just follows like, you just got to kind of follow the, the common sense and not the, not the, the wave of, uh, of, of hysteria. And, you know, you're talking about PLTR. Um, you know, I think that's just kind of the same thing. You, you know, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna bet against them, you're gonna you're betting that the interest rates are gonna go crazy, and like you know, I said to kind of open this thing, I do believe inflation is gonna be higher than it should be <clears throat> because of energy prices, but I don't think that's gonna last that long. So I like that trade. I like I like just kind of that that thought. I haven't looked specifically into that that name, but I do like that thought because you know oil oil and gas and energy in general. <clears throat> it's going to kind of, it's going to eventually revert to the mean, you know, things are going to be out. They're going to crank up nuclear plants over in Europe. There's, you know, there's things that are going to happen that are going to help this thing because cooler heads eventually are going to prevail when you can't get heat to Germans in the winter. Um, I promise you, they're gonna be, <laughs> you know, people will start backtracking on the, Hey, we can't take natural gas from, you know, what LNG or whatever. You know, you're you're going to see coal plants firing up and all these things, um, and so I'm not I'm not as hysterical about energy prices as everyone else, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, my financial advisors just they're saying, oh no no no, you need to stay in it, whatever. But my deal is it'll revert to the moon. I think you know at eighty dollar oil, I think all the oil companies in America still make a ton of money. Hey, you kind of you kind of cut out a little bit. But, yeah, so I think the energy companies will still make a lot of money um, at, at eighty dollars oil. I just don't believe oil is worth one hundred and thirty bucks right now, so I'm selling. Which is fair, Which is- and that's that's one of the reasons why I texted you the other day, and it was like, you know, when are, when are we going to start shorting oil? And uh, that's that's the thing. It's like, you know, if you're wrong and it goes up another twenty bucks, and you start shorting it, you're going to get hurt. And uh, you know, but but if you're on the other side of that coin and you uh, you're on the buy side and it starts going down. You're like, man, I sh- you know, I shouldn't have got caught up into it. So it's always a, it's always a uh, toss up. 
Yeah, I think but, uh, the smarter play the smarter play is to sell if you're in and just wait until it kind of reverts back towards the mean. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to short it in this market because you never know. I mean, it's just people are, you know, they're getting really really antsy about it. Well, that's that's kind of like Tesla. I mean, Tesla got shorted forever and ever and ever and ever. And what did it just do? It went straight up and up and up and up and up and up and up. Whether you know, not not really justifiably, it's not worth anything where 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 it's at. But you know, hysteria has continued to push it higher, and uh, and so a lot of shorts got wrecked the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know it. It's kind of like anything else. When you're kind of at an all-time high, there's a lot more room to come down than there is go up generally. And so I try to just stay out of that deal. Like, you know, find something like you say, the PLTRs that have been cut by 60% because, they, you know, they're anticipating interest rates going up. Well, hell, now the Fed's saying they're not going to raise interest rates as much because they're worried about the economy because of all this stuff. Man, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't think cutting interest rates or not raising interest rates is the, is the issue. I think I think it's you need to raise interest rates. I think they've been artificially low for fifteen years, twenty years, and uh, you know they need to be they need to be normalized. <clears throat> We've kept kept them artificially low, and this is a good opportunity to get them back. Um, but I do think also in the U.S., like that's why I say like just pull back and look at some of the other stocks. Let's let's just focus our you know, go away from the headlines, look at some fundamental stuff, because what's happening is people are entering the workforce again. You know, COVID is essentially over. Um, well, you know, did you see the other day they, they got rid of the state, like state of emergency for COVID? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like people are done with it. And, you know, and now the government benefits are going away. And so all of a sudden, guess what? Big surprise. People are reentering the workforce. <laughs> All right. And so now productivity is going to start going up again because you're going to have some competition for labor, which you haven't had for two and a half years. Um, and so, so you're going to see productivity levels go up and you're going to see earnings go up for some of these companies. And I know that, you know, there's interest rate risk and there should be. And anything that's heavily, heavily levered, I would stay away from because they're the ones who are going to feel it the worst. But if you can find companies that don't have a lot of leverage, so they don't borrow much money and their productivity levels start going up, man, <clears throat> it should be the perfect time to buy those guys. Yep. And it's, and a lot of, a lot of cash too on hand as well. Not, not necessarily yeah. no debt. Yep. But that's, that's kind of what, that's kind of one thing that, that Zach, my buddy has pointed out to me. It's like, you know, PLTR, they have no debt and they have, you know, $3 billion in cash. Um, and they're, they're, uh, their market cap's like nine billion or something right now, um, and I mean they were at forty one bucks I think like at the hysteria of the whole tech market or whatever, and uh, now they're all the way down to eleven, and because uh, IPO price was I think seven or eight, and so we're we're down to almost IPO, and uh, the underlying business has only gotten better. Um, this is probably the case for a lot of, a lot of different places um, that aren't speculative stocks um, that are actually businesses. And not just like Rivian or you know GameStop and, and what whatnot. Um, you know you gotta you gotta look at the underlying fundamentals and uh, really see that they're actually doing stuff and making money. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Rivian. Um, I had gotten on that wait list for one of their trucks early on, and uh, I was really just thinking I'd buy it and probably flip it. 
because I figure they're, you know, as they're producing 180 a year or whatever, the tiny number, you'll probably be able to make some money selling it. But anyway, they sent me an email saying that they were going to, you know, their prices were increasing. So I can't imagine that stock not getting hammered because there's going to be a lot of people like me that are like, I'm not taking delivery of this thing. If it's, you know, I was already going to pay 72,000 bucks for a truck. That's really not that useful. Uh, but you know, now it's going to be two more years and another 12,000 bucks. No, thanks. I'm done. But yeah. Yeah. You know, that does make then, sense. By then Chevy and Ford are going to be rolling with theirs. Well, I think I saw that, that Ford is like, um, has almost surpassed Tesla for like the, I don't even know what it's called, but it's like they've produced the most uh, electric cars and have had the best satisfaction rating out of, out of all car makers now um, on the electric side um, because they just have the funding and they have the, 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 uh, the reputation. And so when you go to, when you go to Ford, you know, you're going to get a quality product. Whereas when you go to Rivian, you really don't know what you're getting. Yeah, no, I think that's probably true. And, uh, you know, even Tesla, like they're going to, they're going to get hurt. Like as soon as the, uh, as soon as the majors get online with their stuff, they're going to get hurt, you know, and cause states like California that have a mandate, I think it's 2030, they can't sell any more combustible engines in, in uh, California. So, you know, those markets are going to be huge for those guys. Um, but, but the interesting play in that is not the cars to me, to me, it's the guys who build that infrastructure out. So, you know, right now in California, you're having brownouts whenever the weather gets hot. Right. And so like, they don't have enough electricity to run their air conditioners in California. And now you're going to tell me you're going to have 15 million cars that need to get charged every night. Well, you might want to upgrade your grid. And so they're going to end up getting in a bind, putting themselves in a corner and trying to figure out how to, how to build a grid that's going to support all this, all this stuff. And that's not going to be easy, especially with all the regulations they have. Right. Well, that's kind of like in the the, the gold rush back in the day, whenever that was, it wasn't the the gold miners who got rich. It was the people selling the shovels. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's kind of like it's not you know it's it's not the people who are buying the houses right now that are that are making all the money. It's the, the title companies and the the real estate appraisers and the surveyors and realtors and everybody who gets a, a small little cut out of it, making all that money. But uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and who do you think makes money when BlackRock buys, you know, two hundred thousand houses? It's the property managers. You know, yep. that that's who gets rich. So yep, you can make ten percent risk free. Ain't too bad. No, not too bad. All day long. Well, that was pretty good. Um, I, what you got? Anything else for me? Not really. Uh, I don't have any good investment ideas, um, but I would just kind of look at those tenants. I would look at you know companies with no debt and uh, and count count on some productivity gains as the labor market comes back. And maybe look at look at things that are are. Uh, you know, you always want to want to do kind of the opposite of what everybody else is doing. So everybody right now is buying oil. So what is the opposite of, of that? You know, everybody is selling. Um, most people are selling technology stocks um, and some for very good reasons, but others are just kind of getting bundled, bundled into that, that kind of basket and, and not justifiably. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I would look for. Um, and even, even, 
even stuff that, you know, I'll, what is interesting to me is Berkshire Hathaway has stayed insanely solid through this whole fiasco. Whenever the NASDAQ and S&P and everything started falling, I think the NASDAQ fell like 25%. Um, Berkshire was up like 12% in that same time frame. And it's really interesting um, that just like the whole market was bloody and Berkshire was up. And it was just, it's, it's just, uh, what, what does that tell you? Like, what's the, what's the lesson in that? Well, one thing I'll say about Berkshire, and I, I think they're overrated, honestly. I mean, I, they've done great, but what they've done a great job of is basically investing in monopolies. And so like, you know, when they get uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, right, they, they own it. It's theirs. And so like when supply chain issues come, they make more money. And like, it's, it's one of those things, they, they really don't have any competition. Everything's regionalized. Um, so they own something as they call it, a moat, has a moat around it, right? which basically means it's a monopoly and Coca-Cola and, you know, these fundamental businesses that, that really aren't subject to all of these things and their private side, um, where they're, you know, things that aren't publicly traded that they own are just going to keep churning because they're, they're, they're normalized businesses that aren't going away anytime soon. And, you know, I guess you can give them a lot of credit for that um, because they've just been value oriented and, and stayed the course and they've been consistent and they've never chased the rabbit. So accolades for that, um, you know, on your technology, just to comment on your technology, you know, I don't really invest in technology just because it's just not part of my world very much. But there, you know, if you can find a company that's producing, there's no way to make better better margins than selling software. You know, you're selling subscriptions or what have you because you're you just don't have many fundamental underlying costs. And uh, so, there's no doubt that good technology companies are the way to go. Um, you know, can you imagine investing in Microsoft early on, some of these right. companies? And they're just continuing to get stronger because no one has the guts and legislation to, to stand up against them and, and call them what they are, which is an, an, another monopoly. Right. You know, the Facebooks of the world and so on. So they're just going to keep going. And uh, if nobody's going to stop them, nobody's going to stop them. So uh, we've seen that play out throughout history. With You know, it started with the railroads which Buffett still likes. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, you still, there's still trains. I mean, what, what else, what else, what's going to replace them? Yeah. And it's crazy. I mean, if you look at like the safety record on trains, like, you know, it's terrible. They're terrible. Uh, you know, everybody wants to build high speed rails and stuff. Just wait, man. It's, you talk about a lot of accidents. Everybody wants to what? <laughs> high speed trains. Oh yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, we're working on a project over on the East coast and it's, it's pretty wild to watch what happens. Um, you know, it's is just, it, it's water. Is it's it a wild. railroad? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And is it a high speed? Yes. Oh man. There's, there's talk of a, uh, and I, I guess it's planned. I don't know by when, but there's, there's a talk of a high speed rail from Houston to Dallas. Um, I believe it's by like 2025 or something. Or I don't know when it's when it is, but 
it's going right through Iola, which is about 20 minutes uh, east of Call Station. And uh, it's just interesting because it said that it was going to take 45 minutes to get from Dallas to Houston on the high-speed rail. Yeah. Yeah, and and we'll see. I mean, that thing's been talked about for a decade. I've actually given them price quotes on a bunch of that railroad. Like, so we've been involved in it, and there's a lot of things I can't talk about with it. But, I, you know, if it happens, I'd be surprised. I can tell you that. I mean, yeah. I, you know, there is, there's one going on in Florida that's going from Miami to Orlando, and it's going pretty well. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what a hundred mile an hour train going through towns um, does, so, <laughs> you know, from a safety perspective. It'd be like an airplane rolling through, uh, rolling right through. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about because, you know, there's a lot of people in Florida that don't really want to stop at a, you know, a railroad crossing when the, when the arms come down. And that train's going to be on them pretty quick. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, you know, the, the, the issue with the Texas thing is, you know, at first they said a lot of it was going to be elevated and then they realized what the cost was going to be. And they were like, oh, crap, we can't be t- we can't be elevated that much. So, you know, from an e- economic perspective, a lot of it has to be ground level. And that complicates things from a safety perspective. Um, you know, they've been counting on getting... Um, the ability to condemn land as well. And I don't think that Texas is really excited about backing that either. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say you, you start taking land away from a bunch of people and uh, that's not going to be very uh, well received. I don't believe. Yeah. And the, and the, the, the thing that the guys did in Florida and you got to give them a lot of, a lot of respect for this. They, and they, they, they have a great operation. They know what they're doing. They went and bought all the all the right away before they even announced it, and then they bought you know all the real estate around all the stops, and so they had a plan and they executed the plan very very well. They kept it quiet, and all of a sudden, bam, it's happening. That's almost like uh, you know they, they say it's better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of that kind of that way. That's crap. pretty yeah. cool. That's pretty cool. Well, and, and it's pretty lucky right now, too, because, you know, if you'd have bought land in Florida 15 years ago, which is when they started, you know, you're probably looking looking pretty pretty good right now. No kidding. No kidding. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't have much else. I still got to go eat dinner. And uh, I'm sure you're I'm sure you're getting you're getting tired. Your uh, your bedtime's coming up. It is, man. I'm getting getting close here. <laughs> oh man well anything else that's it jake appreciate you having me on absolutely you have a great evening all right you too brother see you fuck what they talk about i've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child yeah. getting it every day i'm working sun up till the sun down yeah. i'm getting it every day these niggas hating trying to see how i do this shit bitch i'm not